This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's June 2nd, and it's already Wednesday. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Why some American visa holders are stranded in India. Plus, CDC vaccine cards become de facto passports. But first, today's one big thing, grading President Biden's plan to close the racial wealth gap. Yesterday, President Biden was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to mark 100 years since the Tulsa race massacre. While there, he announced a plan to tackle America's racial wealth gap. It's aimed at increasing home and small business ownership in communities of color. Andre Perry is the author of Know Your Price, Valuing Black Lives and Property in America's Black Cities. And he's also a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution and is here now with a reality check on the president's plans. Hi, Andre. Hey, thanks for having me. First, this is your life's work researching this topic. If you were going to grade the president's plan that he put out yesterday, what would you give it? I would give it a B. If it was graded on a curve, I would give it an A because so many past presidents really did not do anything in regards to racial equity in terms of of really establishing policy that provided a full-throated response against racism. And, And this does it. It can go farther, but it certainly acknowledges that racism has played a role in wealth development in this country, and that race must also play a role in closing these wealth disparities, where we see whites' median wealth at 170000 compared to just 17000 for Black Americans. So we do need a federal response. And so this response involves everything from federal contracting to entrepreneurs to the problem of Black homeowner appraisals. And the plan actually quotes your research on that and says the administration will create an interagency group to try to fix this. Do you think that can fix this problem? Part of the reason why homes in Black neighborhoods are underpriced by about 23% compared to the white peers is because of appraisals. Some of that is because of lending practices, real estate agent behavior, and the overall economy. And so you do need an interagency effort to really look at all the different components of that. Certainly the federal government doesn't have control over some of the stakeholders that leads to devaluation, but it may lead to efforts at the state and local levels that will address those shortcomings. Andre, this is a deep problem that's deeply rooted in American history and practices, as you said, that stem from the federal government to state and local governments to the private sector. How much does this plan go about trying to solve these very deep problems in American society? This does do a good job in trying to rid itself of the drags of racism that negatively affect Black Americans. What it doesn't do, it doesn't repay the damage that was caused 
through redlining and other discriminatory practices in housing, in business development, in infrastructure. Um, And that's a major component of the racial wealth divide. How would that be corrected? Oh, reparations. You know, we should not be afraid of the word. In in fact, America is really not against reparations. Um, We've seen reparations given to American Indians. We've seen it in in 9-11 victims receiving some form of reparations. So we believe in reparations. We just don't believe in reparations for Black people. And so if if we can get over that, we can see some change in in this country. We can really see a, a closing of the wealth divide. Andre Perry is a senior fellow at the Washington-based Brookings Institution. Thank you, Andre. Thank you very much. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the heartbreaking choices facing some Indian American families. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. People born in India hold two-thirds of H-1B visas in the U.S. That's a visa given to specialized workers who are often in the high-tech industry. Many of these workers have lost family members to the pandemic and want to go back to India for funerals or to care for ill loved ones. But with the COVID travel ban to India, hundreds, possibly thousands, are having trouble getting back into the U.S. Nisha Karnani is an immigration attorney based in Atlanta, which has a significant South Asian population. Nisha, what are you hearing from people where you are? It's been heartbreaking daily. I get calls from clients, from my own family, from my attorney friends. A lot of what we're seeing is a a very difficult decision to be made about whether to go back home to India. If you go, then you may get stuck there and not be able to come back. A lot of our South Asian community members are on H-1B visas. And if you get stranded abroad, you may lose the job that is underlying your visa and therefore lose your visa as well. H-1B visa holders and their families have deep roots in the U.S. They've been here for many, many years. They're in a very long green card line that is currently about 20 years long. And so what ends up happening is They're having to decide between potentially losing their home in the U.S. because they need to go back or or they feel, you know, to mourn a loved one, to take care of loved ones. And there's a lot of guilt. People who are green card holders or visa holders have to face these tough decisions all the time in this country. What does this say to you about the state of our immigration system in this country? It exacerbates the existing problems that we have. They would have had their green card by now if our U.S. immigration system didn't have these very old, archaic, per-country quotas. And if they were just born in another country, Pakistan, Germany, they would have their green card. And so the immigration system is very outdated Nisha Karnani is a partner at the Atlanta-based 
firm, Antonini and Cohen. Thank you, Nisha. Nyla, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate being here. We recently told you on the podcast about Europe opening its borders to foreign travelers. Well, Axios' editor-in-chief, Nick Johnston, headed to Europe last week. I asked him to jump on Zoom to tell us about his experience. Nick, what did you learn about going out to eat as a vaccinated American in Copenhagen, Denmark? You need some forms that I didn't realize the first day. On the signs at every restaurant, they have all the stuff about masks and about corona passports. But it's all, of course, in Danish. And my limited Swedish had trouble sort of pounding through that. Uh, And so eventually I gave up and just went to a McDonald's, which didn't require any kind of those uh, rules and restrictions. And then how did you end up eating at places other than McDonald's? I was traveling for Axios on HBO. Tune in this weekend. And the producers I was traveling with were more worldly travelers than me. And they eventually let me understand that the CDC vaccination card that all Americans get is like a get out of jail free card, at least in that part of Denmark I was in. You could wave that and you go in any place. So what's your advice to other travelers right now? Get vaccinated. That's the ticket. What was amazing when we were in Europe is that there were actually Europeans who were jealous of us. One of the HBO producers told me about a Dutch customs official who said, oh, Americans, you're so lucky you're already vaccinated. We were doing interviews at a giant corporation in Denmark and no one was vaccinated. One of the press people was super excited. They were about to get their first shot the following weekend while the entire American crew, like we've been vaccinated for weeks. That is interesting because I feel like we haven't heard people saying yay America for a while. We're certainly looking good as far as vaccinations. Nick Johnson is Axios' editor-in-chief. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. That's it for us today. You can always send us feedback by emailing us at podcast at axios.com or reaching out to me directly on Twitter. My handle is Nyla Boodoo. As always, if you want more news before tomorrow, you can tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.